Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, so good to have all of you on all of our campus this morning. And uh, this week is the last week of a conversation we've had for the last few weeks, or last four weeks, really, entitled The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future. And if you haven't been with us for the past few weeks, I really would encourage you to go online where you can watch or listen on our website, or you can download our RCC app and you can watch or listen there. Because this conversation really is foundational to your future and helping you understand why your future could be or what it will be based on decisions that you make. In fact, this whole conversation has been built on the premise of something called the direction principle. In fact, here's how we define the direction principle, and that is this. Decisions, not intentions, determine direction. And we've been talking about that for the last few weeks, that your decisions, not your intentions. In fact, we said your intentions, they are basically no good at all. In other words, you got to look at your decisions. In other words, the best way to predict what your future is going to be is really to pay attention to the direction that your decisions are taking you in because here's the reality. Every decision, it puts you on a path or it puts you on a road or it puts you on a highway to a very predictable destination. Now, as we conclude this conversation today, what we want to do is we want to talk about something about decisions that is true of all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not a Christ follower, but it's true of all of us when it comes to this whole thing of decisions. And here it is. Not all decisions have equal impact. Like some of the decisions that you make, they have a much greater reward, and some decisions that you make, they're much more painful and have much more painful consequences and outcomes than others. And, and some of you, you've lived long enough to really understand that. Like some of the choices or some of the decisions that you made, I mean, they, they almost had immediate changes in your life for the better, and then other decisions that you made, they created these progressive little incremental steps that made your life better over time. Some of you, you've made decisions that, man, it created a setback, but the setback wasn't really that bad and the pain wasn't that great. And, you know, within a couple days or weeks, you kind of recovered from that decision or maybe a month or so. However, other decisions that you made, I mean, it was like it gave you a big setback and you took, it took months and years. And some of you, you're still trying to overcome the consequences of the setback that you experienced from those decisions. So not all decisions have equal impact on our life. Matter of fact, one of the things, if you really stop and think about this, you understand this from looking back over your life, and that is this, that those decisions that require the greatest sacrifice usually are those decisions that have the greatest or the positive, most positive impact on our life as we move forward. I mean, you think about your life. Those decisions where you had to sacrifice, where the cost was great and it hurt to make that decision and it required the most of you today, they really are the ones that really had the biggest payoff tomorrow, weren't they? And the opposite has also been true if you think about it. Like those easy decisions, those easy things that you did, they cost you the least in the moment. They're the ones that normally have like the steepest price, the most costly price to our lives in the future. Now, when you really stop and think about all this, you just go, well, that's just kind of common sense. Because the road you're on it always leads to you to the place where that road ends up. So every, whatever road you take, it always leads you to a predetermined outcome. 
And the thing we have to understand is it is our decisions, not our intentions, it's not our wishes, it's not our hopes, it's not our dreams, it's not even our goals that determine our direction, but every direction based on every decision has a predictable outcome. Now, again, you need to understand, and it's so important because we're going to come back to this at the end of the day's talk. Not all decisions have equal impact. Some decisions, they move you along faster in a certain direction than others. Some decisions, they have greater impact on us and other people around us. And when you stop and think about this idea, you go, that makes sense. It's common sense. And the reality is we understand this in a vacuum. Now, what we mean when we say we understand this in a vacuum is like if you remove all the outside influences, all the things that pull us in this direction or this direction, all the people who have opinions in our, in our, in our lives, have differing opinions, all the emotions that we have, all the wants and the desires, if we pulled all that away, we could make great decisions every time. But the reality, as we've discovered over the last few weeks, is we don't live in a vacuum. Like every day, we have to make decisions while navigating all kind of different emotions and outward kind of pressures. In fact, as we talked about last week, there is nothing that creates regret in our life quite as quickly as a strong emotional appeal. And what we said is a strong emotional appeal, what it does is it clouds our judgment in the moment. See, an emotional appeal, something that's very emotionally appealing to us, what we said is, is it lowers our defenses and it raises our defensiveness. See, and the thing that we understand is, but we don't think about, is what an emotional appeal does to us, something that lowers our defenses and raises our defensiveness. What it does, it baits us into choosing what we want now over what we want most don't miss that it's something that has a strong emotional appeal going on in your life it baits you into choosing what you want now over what you want the most in in your life for example like most of us what we want most is a satisfying life but the thing we understand when we stop and think about it is long-term satisfaction often comes at the price of short-term satisfaction or immediate gratification. So, for example, long-term satisfaction financially means that you have to live with financial margin. And that means saying no to myself now when there's something that I want that I can't or I shouldn't try to buy or afford. Or in other ways, long-term satisfaction says, like, I want to stay in love, and I want to be in love, and I want to be happy together forever. And what that means is I have to say no now to some short-term immediate gratification, like in doing what I want when I want, instead of investing in the person I love. So because of the short-term cost, what we often do, instead of choosing satisfying, what we go for is appealing. We choose appealing 
over satisfying. It's like, it's what I want now. I want this now, and I want it so badly that I'm not just going to consider the direction that appealing is going to take me, and it may cause me to sacrifice what's satisfying, what I want most. But here's the thing. I'll deal with that later. I just want what I want right now. Or another thing is not just satisfying. Another thing we want is fulfilling. We want, we want to live a life that's fulfilling. Like, I want to wake up every day. I want to be content. I want to be happy. I want to be satisfied. I want to be at peace. I want to wake up every day with this sense of purpose and meaning and fulfillment. Like, I want to get to the end of my life, and I want to know that I have invested my life in something that matters, in something that's bigger than me, that something's going to outlast me. See, here's the thing. That's what we all want most. We want to get to the end of our life and go, wow, that was absolutely amazing. God did amazing things in and through my life. The problem is, and this is especially true in 21st century America, is like what we want now is fun. And here's the thing, fun can conflict with fulfilling. Sometimes these two things, fun and fulfilling, they are mutually exclusive. So what happens is whenever I choose fun over fulfilling, even though fulfilling is what I want more, I miss out on what I want most. Now, here's the thing. We're not suggesting that appealing and fun are wrong. They're they're not always wrong decisions. I'm like, you definitely should have fun in your life. We're just suggesting that fun and appealing are wrong decisions when they cost you what you want the most, and that is satisfying and fulfilling. Now, here's the thing. Jesus, who loves you more than anybody that you'll ever know, because he loves you so much and he wants the best for your life, one of the things that he wants for you is to live a satisfying, fulfilling life. He wants you to experience satisfaction and fulfillment in your life. He wants that so much that he came to this earth, he lived, he died, he rose again. The big thing is he made the biggest sacrifice any person, any being could ever make for you because he loves you. And because he wants that for you, he gave some guidelines on how you and I should think long-term when it comes to what we want most over what we want now. In fact, I want you to notice how Jesus talks about this. We find this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, and we're going to come back to this word here in disciple in just a moment, because it's oftentimes not what we think it is in 21st century Christianity. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, you need to understand something about what Jesus is saying, especially about this word disciple here. A disciple is not just somebody who believes in Jesus. A disciple is not just somebody who says, well, I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to say this sinner's prayer, and I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me of all my sins, and then I'm going to get baptized, and then I'm just going to sit in a church, and I'm going to look at the back of heads, and I'm going to listen to somebody sing to me, and I'm going to listen to somebody to speak, speak to me, and I'm going to be, call myself a disciple of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. See, what Jesus is telling us here is that being a disciple of Jesus is so much more than that. A disciple is someone who has committed themselves to following the ways of Jesus. 
they are somebody who has said, listen, everybody has the philosophy that shapes how they live their lives. I'm choosing that Jesus is going to shape how I live my life. See, Jesus says that if you are truly a disciple of his, if you truly are a person who is a true disciple, he says you have to follow him. Literally, you have to deny yourself. And he says you can't call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ without denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus' ways, his attitude, his, his, his ideology, his, his thought process. He says, you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ without doing that. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, it's going to cost you something. There's going to be a price to pay. See, and the price is that you deny yourself. You say no to what you want now in order to experience what you want the most. See, Jesus, if you study the life of Jesus and his invitation for us to follow him, it's never an invitation into a life of self-help and instant solutions. It's never that. He invites us into a life of self-sacrifice. He says, my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow my ways, he says. So Jesus doesn't come and give us some steps to help us improve just some kind of fun life and make our life more fun. No, he says, here's the road to a fulfilling life. Now, some of us are sitting here thinking maybe, well, what's the point in sacrificing? Well, why would I want to do that? Why would I deny myself? Why? Well, here's what Jesus says. Here's why you should do that. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, and in fact, in Mark, Mark he, he writes it this way. He says, but whoever loses my life for me and the gospel will find it. Now, here's the thing. And just don't miss this. Jesus doesn't say in the previous verse and this verse, whoever does any kind of sacrifice, that that's going to help you find life. No, no, no. He just says just any old kind of sacrifice. That's not what's going to help you find life. He says when you sacrifice for him and the sake of the gospel, when you sacrifice for him and how he says to live, when you sacrifice for him and you put others before yourself as he did, he says that is a decision that puts you on the road to help you find what you want most. Now, here's the thing. It may cost you what you want now, and it may feel like that you are losing your life but in the process of giving up what seems natural for you to protect, you actually, Jesus says, you find what you're trying to get by protecting your life. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. When you follow Jesus and you really want to find life, it's probably going to force you many times to sacrifice the appealing. But it will get you the satisfying. It will cause you to sacrifice and say no to fun many times. But it will cause you to experience fulfillment in life. You know, when you really stop and think about it in our culture, that just kind of is counterintuitive. Like, to us, what seems to make sense is to do everything I can right now to save my life. 
Like in our culture, the whole idea is like to have the best life. I better protect my life. I better save my life. I better hold on to my life. I better make my life all about me. But that is actually a decision, Jesus says, when you do that, whoever wants to save their life, hold on to their life, make it all about them, he says, ultimately, you will lose your life. Because here's the reality. It leads you to losing your life because when you try to save your life, you make your life all about you, which means at the end of your life, all you have to show for your life is your one and only life. And some of you go, wow, that's kind of what I would expect a pastor to say about this. I expect to kind of hear this in church. And, you know, you're a pastor and you probably, you know, they're saying, you're probably thinking, you know, you're a pastor, Paul, and you, you probably have no social life. And who's going to invite you, Paul, to a party anyhow because you'd ruin it for everybody because we couldn't really have any fun. Maybe even fun gets you fired, Paul, that kind of thing, you know. Don't try to steal the fun from the rest of us. Listen to me. Please hear me. I do know how to fun. I know how to have real good fun. I plan fun in my life. But here's the deal. We're not trying to steal your fun. We're just trying to remind you what Jesus is saying. That fun doesn't deliver fulfilling. And fulfilling is what all of us really want to experience, isn't it? So when you make fun decisions at the expense of fulfilling decisions, Jesus says, it's going to cost you. In fact, let me help you understand that by using this illustration. Here's a a homework assignment for all of you. And I I would encourage all of you to go home and and do this. In fact, I encourage you to write it down so you remember this. Like, when you go home, find yourself an empty box. And if you need any empty boxes, we have some extra ones at our house because our youngest daughter was getting all her stuff packed up. Um, to move out when she got married last week. And so all these extra boxes are laying still at our home. They've been moved into my shop now, so out of the house. That's how my wife did that. She cleaned her house by moving the boxes in my shop. So I'll deal with those. Give them to you, right? Whatever. But anyhow, find you a box. Here's the reality. When you get home and find you a box, the box is probably going to say prime on it. And if you do, <laughs> And if you don't have a box that says prime on it, don't worry about it. Tomorrow, one will show up your door because you've already ordered something, right? And here's the thing. When it shows up your door with Prime on it, you're not even going to remember what was in that box because you order so many things off of Prime now, you can't remember. It's like every day is Christmas for you, isn't it? Right? And then you open up that box and you enjoy the surprise. And by that time, it's something that you're probably not going to need anymore because you bought it off impulse and you're either going to give it away or sell it to the art sale or do something like that. Here's what you do with that empty box. You take that box and you set it on your kitchen table or your kitchen counter. And then once that empty box is sitting there, here's what you do. You go and you go into your last year, just kind of walk down memory lane of your last year, and you collect all the fun that you had last year. Over the last year, just collect all the fun that you had. And then once you've collected all that fun, go put it in that box. And then step back and just stare into that box for just a minute. And you know what you'll discover when you stare in that box? You will be staring at nothing. Do you know why? Because fun is a moment. Fun is in the past. Fun is what you did back then. But you don't get to keep fun with you. See, fun doesn't travel with you. Fun is only a moment. 
And then once you've done that, you've looked in this box and you begin to realize that, I want you to think about something else. Think about your most sacrificial moments in your life. I mean, think about that moment that you sacrificed so much to serve somebody who was in need. Think about that moment when you traveled overseas and you spent a week to serve some orphans or to help build an orphanage or help build a clinic. Like, think of that, about that moment when you showed up that side of a natural disaster and you worked for like 12 to 16 hours a day for a whole week helping people recover and rebuild their lives. I mean, think about that. Think about that sacrifice that you and your family made to foster those children, those kids who needed a home for a season of their life. Or think about the sacrifice that you made to adopt that child or adopt those children into your family. Think about the kind of sacrifice you've made. Or think about the sacrifice that you made to show up early to church, like two hours early every Sunday so that you could serve others and you could have your environments prepared so that people who showed up, they could have a great experience and experience God's love for them. Think about that. And then think about that small group that you led and how leading that small group, it challenged you and how it changed your life. And then think about how it changed the people's lives who were possibly in your small group. And then while you're thinking about all that, Think about like your most generous moment financially. That moment when you became aware of a need that somebody had and it was gonna take a whole lot more money than what you could comfortably give, but you gave the money anyway. See, sit there and think about your most selfless moments, your most selfless acts, your most selfless days. And then as you stare at that box, ask yourself this question. What do you want more of? Fun or fulfilling? Ask yourself, when did you feel the most satisfied? And what did you find in your life to be the most fulfilling? See, here's the reality, folks. Memories of fun, if you really stop and think about it, they really aren't all that satisfying, are they? They really aren't. You know why? Because fun, I mean, even the right kind of fun, fun never travels with you. Fun always fades the next day. Fun is always in the rearview mirror. But here's the reality, and this is what Jesus is saying. Satisfying is a traveling companion. Fulfilling, it sits in the passenger seat with you every day of your life. Because see, when you make decisions that put you on the right road towards self-sacrifice, where you're sac sacrificing for Christ and the gospel's sake, and you're living to others first, what you're going to do is you're going to find satisfying and fulfilling stay with you for the whole trip. That's why Jesus said, you try to save your life, you choose what you want now over what you want most, and he goes, I guarantee you, I promise you, you will lose your life. You will end up living your life bitter, miserable, critical, grumbling, and complaining in one of the most blessed countries in the world. And you'll blame everybody else and you'll blame everything around you and you don't know why. It's because you've tried to save your life. And he says, you'll have nothing at the end of the road to show for your life but your life. But he says, do this. Lose your life the way I'm asking you to lose it. He says, I promise you, you 
will find your life. You will find the life that you want the most, and you will have fulfilling and satisfying on the whole trip with you throughout your life. And then Jesus asks us another group of questions, and here's what he says. So what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And here's the thing. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? The answer, we all know, it's no good. Now, a lot of times we read this and we think, well, what good does it do a person to live their whole life and not pray the prayer and get baptized and then sit in church and sit in seats and look back ahead as he sit in rows and listen to a sermon? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, what good does it do a person to call themselves a follower of Jesus Christ when they make their life all about themselves? He said, what good is that? He says, it's no good because once you get to the end of your life, you can't exchange anything for your soul. You can't exchange anything for satisfaction and fulfillment. Like you can't trade fun for fulfillment at the end of your life. You can't trade appealing for satisfying at the end of your life. He's saying, listen, you only get one shot at this life. And when it's past, it's past. And so really what Jesus is saying is, you, you want to end up with a fulfilling life, a satisfying life? Here's the way you do it. Self-sacrifice is the way to what you want most. It's just not the way to what you want now. Jesus says, listen, you have to deny yourself. Literally saying, you have to say no to yourself. You have to sacrifice. You have to say no to yourself for the sake of somebody else in order to find life. And this is the life that Jesus invites you to live. He's saying, this, this is what I'm inviting you to, to a life of self-sacrifice, not a life of self-indulgence or a life of self-centeredness or a life that's all about a self-centered quick fix. He said, no, no, no. It's a life of self-sacrifice. So what we want to do as we close this out today is we want to give you three big challenges. Not just one, but three. Three big challenges that are going to call you to a life of self-sacrifice in order for you to find fulfillment. Um, and here's the thing you need to understand about this. The reason we're asking you this is because we want for you what God wants for you. We want for you satisfying and fulfilling. Like we want you to live every day with fulfilling in the seat next to you as you travel the road of life. And these three steps that we're asking you to take, I'm telling you, they will take you a long way in getting you to experiencing that in your life. And you got to remember, as we said at the beginning of this talk, not all steps are created equal. Not all decisions have equal impact. Like there's a lot of steps that we could have given you today that would just kind of had like incremental impact in your life and they probably would have felt a little more comfortable to you. But that's not where we're going today because Jesus has some very strong words for us if we're going to experience a life of fulfillment and satisfaction. So here's the thing. These three things we're going to ask you to do today is we know this from experience because I've been pastoring now for over like 25, 26 years. And also from Jesus' teachings, these are steps that are going to help you leap in your progress toward finding fulfillment in life. So here are the three things. You probably want to write these down. The first one is this is serve consistently. 
serve consistently. I, I, I thought about this and thought maybe we should have put serve consistently cheerfully. Because sometimes we serve, but we don't serve cheerfully, right? And you can't say we have the heart and mind of Jesus if we don't serve with joy. So what we're saying is you just need to serve consistently. Like, make this a habit in your life. Like, every week, say, I'm going to give up some time from my life. I'm going to say no to me about some time in order to make, to make a difference for somebody else. And I'm telling you, this decision to serve others consistently, it will move you in the right direction every time. And here's the thing I know, on all of our campuses, we have a lot of opportunities to serve because there are a lot of people that need to hear the gospel message. There are a lot of people who need to be coached and equipped and, and led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So there is a lot of opportunities to serve every week on all of our campuses. In fact, when you came in today, inside your worship guide, there was a pastoral care update card inside your worship guide. So on all of our campuses, if you will, um, take that out of your worship guide right now. In fact, if the person beside you is not doing that right now, just kind of stand up and point your finger at them. No, don't do that. Um, but here's what I would like for all of you to do this. Because here's the thing. If you're not serving in this middle box right here, there's a place where it says you can check to serve on a team. Okay, And if you will check that and let us know that you want to serve on a team, you want to begin this habit of serving consistently, then what we will do is we'll contact you this week and help you begin to get on that path. Now, here's the other thing. If you are currently serving, we want you to check that box as well and just write out beside that, serving cheerfully. Because that's the heart of Jesus, right? That's how he calls us to serve, serve with joy. Now, we... And here's probably why we want to know that is we want to know that you're committed to keep serving for this next year. And some of you are sitting there going, you don't understand. I'm just too busy. Like, like work is crazy. Or like, like my kids are like all over the place on the weekends. We have all these things. Or, or my children are in certain stages of life, and I don't want to miss a certain stage of life. And, and here's the thing. I get that because I had three children, raised three children. But here's what I can tell you. Those things of like work is crazy, or my kids are all over the place on the weekend, or my kids in this certain stage of life, and, and I don't want to miss this stage of life. I get that, but none of that is moving you toward fulfillment. It's not. That's about what you want now, but it's not about helping you with what you want most. And as tired as you might be and as busy as you are, here's what I can guarantee you. If you sacrifice to serve somebody anyway because of all the things that are going on, you will find what none of that that you're chasing right now in this season gives you, you will find fulfillment and it will be so worth your self-sacrifice to serve others. And then some of you are sitting there and you're going, well, I tried that serving thing and I quit because it just wasn't fulfilling anymore and it was more frustrating than it was fulfilling and I just quit. And you know what? You're probably true. It's probably true that it wasn't fulfilling anymore and that it was really frustrating to you. Do you know why that was true, that it wasn't fulfilling and it was frustrating to you? Here's why. Because Jesus was wrong. No. Not because Jesus was wrong. Do you know why it no longer was fulfilling to you? Because here's why. You stopped focusing on others when you served. 
and you started focusing on yourself and you started focusing on when it was inconvenient for you and you started focusing on what it cost you and you started focusing on how little things, different things frustrated you and you started focusing on how like you didn't, nobody appreciated you or whatever we do, we all do it because I've done this. I've been pastoring now for 25 years. I get how this cycle works in all of our lives. And here's the thing. The minute you start serving with the wrong focus, it stops being fulfilling. The moment you make it even a little bit about you, serving others stops being fulfilling. And you know what you start doing? You go, oh, this is not fulfilling anymore, and it's just not, it's frustrating. You start thinking about all the costs and all that kind of stuff. And you know what you do? You start complaining, and you start criticizing, and then you justify sitting in a seat every Sunday consuming. And you want to complain about other people who aren't serving and how this isn't right in the church or that's not right in the church while you sit and consume. And Jesus says, that's why it's not fulfilling to you to serve anymore because you've made it about you. It's not because of the imperfect conditions around you because there are people that serve around you and there are people that serve in third world countries in imperfect conditions every day and their life is fulfilling and they deal with frustrations and they deal with imperfect people every day and governments that are against them and people don't get what they're trying to do for them. And it's one of the most fulfilling journeys I ever experienced. It's got nothing to do with our circumstances that surround us. It's got everything to do with the attitude of our heart when we serve. And if that's you, you're like, I quit serving because it was not fulfilling anymore. You know, it's just, you know, those people, blah, blah, blah. You need to get back to serving. You need to start putting others first. And I can promise you, when you don't make it about you, you will find fulfilling again. And now if you're sitting here and you go, I don't know where to serve, just make sure you let us know that you want to serve. We'll find you a place. And uh, here's what's going to happen. At the end of this talk today, the lead pastor in your camp is going to come up. They're going to tell you how to turn those cards in. And so don't do like you normally do at the end of the prayer and try to run out of the room because we still are not done yet after I get done praying. Okay? And uh, they'll talk about how to process this. All right. So here's the next thing. <clears throat> and, and you'll drop these. In, they'll tell you how to drop this in the bucket. All right. So here's the thing. Deny yourself and serve somebody in spite of your schedule, in spite of your work, in spite of the season of your kids. And here's the thing I can tell you. We can introduce you to people who every week they have as busy a schedule as you. They have kids in the same, they have kids in the same um, season of life as you. They have more obstacles than you do. Just stop making excuses and start making your life about other people and start serving. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, follow Jesus by serving others. Now, here's the second challenge we want to give you give regularly and yes we're talking about money here's why because where your money goes there your heart follows and two of the most powerful ways that we re resist the appealing and we resist the fun is when we give our time to serve others and we give of our money to help others and this is this is just one of the ways that we can practically say no to ourselves deny ourselves and sacrifice for others so here's the thing if you don't have an intentional plan to follow a regular giving plan you need to come up with one this week and here's what we challenge you to do first of all let me say this don't say that you can't afford it you can afford it if you're willing to say no to yourself i mean my wife and i 
before I tell you what you're doing this card, my wife and I, I mean, when we were like at the lowest point in our life, early in our marriage, and we lived in my in-laws basement for six years, and like, and I've, you heard me say that before, when you're under your in-laws living, you're the lowest point you can be. But here's the other thing, we lived off of $40 a week during that season trying to get debt free and get where we wanted to be in, in our future financially. $40 a week is what we lived off of. And, and we tithed and even often gave more. And $40 a week was not a lot. I mean, we've given sacrificially when we made a little and we give sacrificially when I was making a whole lot more building and flipping homes. Um, still we give very sacrificially. So my thing is take this card right on here I need a giving plan, and somebody will contact you who can help you with that process. It'll even help you understand how to set up a reoccurring giving to make it easy um, so that every time you get paid or every time you get money, it automatically happens. And please, please don't be one of those people who talk about how the church should be giving back to the community and, and you're giving nothing or you give so little that you don't even miss it. That's like, that's like really being a hypocrite because like, if you really believe that Christ's followers should be people who give back, then you should be a person who gives as well like put your money where your mouth is otherwise stop being one of those people who criticizes churches for not giving anything away because in saying these churches keep all this money for themselves and you'd be doing the same thing right now it works some of you like we paul you get done with this sermon like <laughs> third thing here's the third challenge it gets better connect daily and we talked about this last week like, you need people in your lives, not just on Sunday, not just once a week, but you need people in your life that are consistently in the loop of your life. They know what's happening in your world. You know what's happening in their world. You're doing life together. Like, these are the people who start seeing you get distracted by what's fun and what's appealing, and you're going for what you want now over what you want the most, and they're the ones that come in and they step in and they start pulling you back saying, hey, you said you want this the most, and you're going for what you want right now. No, 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 no. They come in and they encourage you as we said last week they urge you they confront you they push you to make the right decision to head in the right direction so we say the best way for you to do this connect daily is to get in a small group so on this pastoral care update card there is a place for you in this middle box right here at the bottom for you to check which group that you've decided to be in now on every one of your campuses you received a brochure in your worship guide for a small or for the small groups that are on your campus and so our thing is let us know your first choice and your second choice in case one of the one of the other was doesn't work out so our challenge is three big steps that are going to move you to having the heart of denying yourself taking up your cross and following jesus to serve consistently give regularly and connect daily now here's the thing that you know in a vacuum, you know that sacrificing your time and your money for the benefit of other people, it puts you on the path to satisfaction and fulfillment. And you've probably even had those conversations with other people. It's just hard to do that because here's what happens in daily life. Because emotions, they tend to pull you to save your life and protect what you have. And that, that emotion is so strong. But Jesus says, that's not the way to find your life. It may cost you what you want now, but he's saying self-sacrifice is the way to what you want the most. 
And I'm telling you, these three steps right here will have the greatest impact on your life if you'll just step in and do them. Plus, Jesus, he promises that there's going to be a payoff when you trust him enough to lose your life and to follow him by living his way instead of your way. In fact, look how he ends this up. He says, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And here's the thing. On all of our campuses, there's about 20 to 30% of the people on each campus who, like, serve and give, and they connect in a group. And here's the thing. If you're one of those people who do that on a consistent basis, listen, we want you to know how much we appreciate you. We really do. Like you are the people who make this church what it is, and you're the ones that God is using to impact our communities for Jesus Christ. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And just know this, Jesus sees, and he promises that there is going to be a reward for you by doing that. And those rewards, they're going to last for all of eternity. And I want you to just imagine for just a moment, if we only have like 20 to 30% of the people that are doing the serving and the giving and connecting in groups, and it's changing lives at the level it is, can you imagine if the other 60 to 70% of people at RCC would get involved in doing this? Can you imagine how we could turn our communities upside down for the gospel's sake? But there's something else that Jesus is telling us in this that we all don't often think about. He's saying, not only will I reward you for eternity, but you will also have the reward of having fulfillment right in the passenger seat all throughout your life if you sacrifice, deny yourself, and take up your cross and follow Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's nothing better than this. And so for those of you, you're not serving, you're not giving, you're not connecting. Listen, we, we want that for you because we want you to experience fulfillment and satisfying. We don't want you to miss out on the fulfillment of following Jesus Christ in your life. See, at the beginning of this talk, we said not every decision has equal impact. And I'm telling you, these three decisions, they're going to have great impact and they have great reward. And what they will ultimately end up doing is giving you what you want the most in your life. So sacrifice and serve, sacrifice and give, sacrifice and connect, and see if what Jesus says doesn't come true for you. And I'm going to tell you, this decision right here to do life the way Jesus has called us to do it, man, it'll move you in the direction you want to go because it'll help you experience what you want most in your life. Listen, when you lose your life, Jesus says you will find it. And I promise you, after 25, 26 years of serving Jesus and, and trying to live this out, I'm telling you, it will be better than you ever imagined it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for... Um, just this amazing opportunity to just pause in our week as we begin our week and really understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and truly where satisfying and fulfilling come from. God, our, our world has told us a completely different mindset, a different view. And Jesus, thank you for loving us enough to be willing to have the crucial conversation to say, here's, here's how you find life. So I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'll help every one of us to make the decision right now that in order to call myself a follower, a disciple, I'm choosing today to live a life of saying no to me, a life of self-sacrifice and carving out time and resources and, and space 
in order to be able to minister to, serve others as you served us. God, I pray that you help us to follow your model where you said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. God, I pray that you help all of us to carve out that time, those resources, and that space for others. God, it's the only path to fulfilling and satisfying. We thank you for your incredible love in reminding us of this. In Jesus' name, amen.